over the earth. The child of God who truly relies on God will find himself strengthened and protected for the daily battles. Cease. Let every dark assignment bow down at Jesus' feet. Let every hurt be broken. Let every storm be tamed. And all that come against us be bound in Jesus' name. Your presence is my greatest weapon. Pushing back the darkness. Breaking every chain, my worship opens up the heavens. Crushing every stronghold when I speak your name. Because your presence is my weapon. Your presence is my weapon. Your strength will not be shaken, your love will not back down. Death has been defeated, what can stop us now? Hold on to what you've spoken, you said that I am free. You've given me your promise, and you are my victory. Your presence is my greatest weapon. Pushing back the darkness, breaking every chain. My worship opens up the heavens, crushing every stronghold when I speak your name. Cause your presence is my weapon. Your presence is my weapon. Your and a melody are making a way for me. You defeat the enemy. This prison is shaking now, and these walls are coming down. Your presence makes me free. Your presence is my greatest weapon, pushing back the darkness, breaking every chain. My worship opens up the heavens, crushing every stronghold when I speak your name. 
Cause your presence is my weapon Your presence is my weapon You are my weapon Thank you, Kathleen. Very beautiful. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you will turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Several things that we need to, to know about uh, is going on right now. Um, and Timothy, or Paul warned Timothy about it when he wrote uh, the two letters to Timothy. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to probably read the first four or five verses, and I'm going to talk about uh, the reason that we have modern boasters. Think about it. We have people who boast about having special knowledge of God. We have people who boast about not having any knowledge of God. We have people that boast about there not being a God. You know, so it's all over the map, and we should not, as believers, be shocked by this. Because there's plenty of evidence in the Bible that we should be expecting this. Now, the question is, is are we going to be able to discern who's a boaster and who's not? So, uh, if you have your Bibles open, chapter 3, I'll start in verse 1. This known also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters. Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without, without natural affection, truth, break, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that do good, traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures, uh, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we have the ability to read your word. We thank you that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit so we can discern your word and apply it to our lives. And that when we hear people saying certain things and doing certain things, we can recognize it and turn away from it. Lord, I just ask you to open this scripture up to us so that we can apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Yes, I'm going to be preaching mostly to the saved, but every sermon that we preach here at Deep Creek Baptist Church has an eternal word in it. And at the end, you will be offered a chance uh, to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that's what we do every Sunday. Uh, that's what we do on Wednesdays. We have... Uh, our calling, it's in our charter that we share the gospel, the good news. And so we're going to do that. But for this, um, we're going to talk about man's self-sufficiency is a boast against the need for God. Think about today, all those folks who will tell you there is no God. We just launched a great big telescope so that they could see deep into the heavens and they still can't understand 
why the, it's not doing symmetrical stuff that you would expect here on earth. Because they don't understand that there's a God in control of the universe. They don't understand that the God who controls it and created it is outside of it. it time and space and, and matter does not affect our God. Because if they did, he would not be our God. And so with that being said, you know, man thinks he's so smart. Now God has gave us intelligence. And there are a lot of smart people in this world. And there are a lot of people who know a whole lot more than I do. But God bless me with common sense. I can look outside and I don't need a weatherman to tell me it's hot. I don't need a weatherman to tell me that it's going to rain. I can see the rain coming in his creation. I've spent enough time in it. Uh, in nature to understand some of the signs. I know that we're going to have a cold winter. We're going to have a cold winter. And the reason we're going to have a cold winter is because the squirrels are already packing away pine nuts. They're eating them like they're going out of style. If you look at the squirrels, they're already getting fluffy and, and furry. Ducks have already started gathering together. It's July. It's going to be cold this winter. It's going to be cold. Probably have some snow, I can't say that. Probably has some ice. The main thing is, it'll kill the bugs in the ground. It's going to get cold. And you know what? I don't want to hear nobody gripe about it being cold. Because when it was cold this past year, I didn't want to hear nobody gripe about it being hot in August. It's hot. I've been out in it. I've not complained. I've not complained. I've learned to pace myself. I used to go out there when I was younger... And go from can to can't. Start when you can't see and go to your can can't see again. I can't do that anymore. My mind says, yes, you can. My body says, no, you won't. Not you can't, you won't. But that's okay. But man likes to be in charge of everything. He thinks he's self-sufficient. He thinks he has made himself. You know, the term self-made. No, you're not. You've been blessed and helped along the way. Man's self-worship is a boast against his need for God. And that's where that, look what I've done. I did this for me and my family. I did this. The only reason you did that is because God gave you the ability to figure out how to do it. God gets the credit. He allowed you to do that. He provided the means for you to do that. You don't want to give him credit. You don't want to give him credit. People out there do not want to give God credit because then that makes them seem like that they didn't do anything. Well, I have the, I have the, the, uh, uh, the great privilege today to tell you that there's a lot of things in this life that I did. And if I'd have sought God's provision first, they would have turned out a whole lot better than they did. Because I can assure you Jerry will mess it up. I have a history of messing it up. You know, man's self-knowledge is complex. It's complex. We have all these ideas. And we have all these things running through our heads. We have all these great plans. And all of them, by our complex self-knowledge, 
is a boast against the need for God. We need to seek God in all that we do. Before we make a great financial decision, we need to pray. Before we make a small decision about how we're going to buy the groceries this week, we need to pray. We need to ask God to guide us so that we get the right things that we need, not necessarily the things that we want. Now, I want to be honest with you. I used to be crazy, crazy over ice cream. Loved it. And I'll eat it every now and then, but not like I used to. Now, I used to have to have me a scoop about a day. You know, well, not anymore. Now, I had some good ice cream yesterday. Um, but man, it, it, he thinks he's a self-survivor. Look what I've been through. I've been through all this. And by my wit and by my intelligence and by my knowledge and with a little bit of luck, look where I'm at. Man's self-savior obsession is a boast against also his need for God. When things get tough and things get down and, and you're in a bad place, first thing you do is you holler for God and then the second thing is your mom. I've seen guys that were so tough, tough guys. I've seen them sit down in the middle of a street and cry for their mom. I've seen guys holler for God. Have yet to hear one lay down and cry and holler, I got this. Because they don't. They don't. God has protected us. God has carried us. I can look back across my life and I can see his hand upon me. Even when I wasn't following him, he protected me. I know you've heard me say this before. My mother used to say that if it wasn't dangerous, I wasn't going to do it. I was a thrill seeker. And I loved thrills. And I tried a lot of things in life. Getting that adrenaline rush. I jumped out of airplanes. Nothing wrong with them. I jumped. I was in high school and I rode bulls in a rodeo. I got hurt. <laughs> I played baseball and football. Got hurt. Couldn't play those anymore, so I decided I'd go ride a bull. I did crazy things because I was young and I thought I was invincible. We need to know these perilous times that are before us. And when the Bible says perilous, it's not just a word that today we use, you know, oh, you know, don't go swimming there, it's perilous. What they're talking about here, it has the connotation of wild animals running around, ravaging everything that's in its sight. Perilous times are coming. They're here. They're starting now. Remember the birth pains? How you could tell the signs? More earthquakes and pandemics and famines. It's going on around us. And then you're starting to see those ancient things that were mentioned in the book of Revelation lining up together. The Assyrians, Gog, Magog, the Persians, and the Russians. They're lining up together. They're forming alliances. Why is that? I don't know when it's coming. 
But like I said, God gave me common sense and I have a discernment. And I talked to that pastor yesterday that did Bobby's, Bobby's memorial service. And we had a conversation. He's a year younger than I am. Or actually, he's not really. He's the same age as I am. He just hadn't turned 64 yet. His birthday's in September. And we both came to the same conclusion. I guarantee you we don't have 2,000 more years before the return of Christ. Don't know how many we got, but it ain't as long as we've came. Times are getting shorter. Times are getting closer. My grandmother used to tell us the same thing, the end time. She told me, she said, I've heard it my whole life. I've heard it my whole life. Jesus is coming. The preacher preached yesterday at Bobby's funeral about the return of Christ. He is coming. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that he had. See, Bobby's where we want to go. But we have boasters that will tell you there's no such thing, that if we do this, that we are, we're consumed, we are superstitious. Why would we believe an archaic fairy tale? That's what I was told that once. I said, well, if it was archaic and if it was a fairy tale, don't you think it would have slipped away after all these centuries? I said, how come it still remains the number one book in the world? Not just in the United States, in the world. Think about this, what perilous means. Perilous times. The word used is the classical Greek word, uh, both dangerous and wild animals and of a raging sea. They're all combined together. And the other thing it does is it brings to mind Matthew 8, 28. You know, the two demoniacs that were untamed and wild as beasts, who Matthew described as so fierce that people would go around them that's ready to have to come near them. They didn't want to pass that way. That's what we're talking about. The characteristics Paul describes speak not of bad times, but of bad people. See, we've had the bad times. We, he told us about the bad times. Now we're talking about bad people. And think about it. All you have to do is turn the TV on. Sometimes you don't even have to do that. Just flip through the just flip on your phone, and, and if you get news breaks, you'll see bad people. You'll see bad people portraying that they're good. And you'll see good people being victimized by the bad people. What does it do? What does it do? Doesn't it make you angry when you see the little guy getting trumped? When you see people doing things that are so blatantly wrong that even a little child knows the difference? Doesn't that make you angry? And then today, with things that are around today, there seems to be no justice. No justice. It seems to be that if you're of a certain sect, you got it made. And if you're not, you're going to get persecuted and the max thrown at you. Here's what I'm here to tell you. There's a judgment day coming. They're going to get theirs. They're going to get theirs. Because if they're doing what they're doing today, I can just about assure you they're going to die in that. And when they die in that, they're going to stand before a just and holy God. And they're going to get 
what they justly deserve. Because they refuse through pride and through knowledge to bend their knees before a holy God. And what does our Bible tell us? Every knee will bend. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord and King of Kings. Every knee. You're either going to do it on your own because you worship the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're going to be forced on your knee and you're going to do it. You're going to do it naturally or supernaturally. And we have people out there who will tell us, oh, that's hogwash. You don't know what you're talking about. In the last days, this is a broad term in the New Testament, the last days. It covers a lot of things. It began with the birth of the church, the last days. And it began at Pentecost. The days of the Messiah mark the last days. Yet the term is especially appropriate to the season immediately before the return of Jesus Christ. And the consummation of all things. So we should be happy. We have faith. We have faith. We have faith in the things that are unseen. We have faith and understanding in the fact that Christ is going to come again. You have people out there who boast and say he's got to come first. They missed it. They don't understand he's already been here one time. And the first time he came as a babe. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a feed trough in a barn. His, his arrival was announced by angels to shepherds and was marked by a star that wise men followed. The next time he comes, it's going to be with a shout and the voice of an archangel. The sky is going to part. And the glorious Jesus Christ and all of his glory is going to come riding on a white horse. He's coming not only as a conqueror, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's not coming as a babe in manger. He hung on the cross. He'll come back with the scars on his hands. He'll come back with the scars on his feet. He'll come back with the scars on his forehead. But in his glory, he will return. Not as before. See, we're waiting for the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are people every day who are telling us, telling us that that's not going to happen. This is not going to happen. Men without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but benign its power. I'm going to read you something from Dear Abby. This lady wrote Dear Abby to confess her affair. She lived in Florida. She was married. She confessed her affair... That um, she was been meeting this man once a week for three hours in a hotel. 
once a week for four years. She said that not only was she married, but her lover was married. Her husband did not know and his wife did not know. And she thought that it made her a better lover for her husband. And she taught a Sunday school class at church. And she said that when she would teach that class, she felt no guilt. That's a form of godliness, but denying the power. She had choked off the Holy Spirit. Probably in the beginning of that thing, she probably had a lot of guilt. And the Holy Spirit was probably wearing her out. And him too, probably, if he knew Christ, but we don't know that. And she proceeded in that sin with the airs of godliness, but denying the power of the Scripture, denying the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of her, denying the sin that she was committing. They will be lovers of money. They will be lovers of power. You have people to, that decree and preachers that preach, I deserve and you deserve to be rich. Men will be boasters and proud blasphemers. Do you know what blasphemy is? The denial of God. The denial of God. Boasting, pride, and blasphemy are nothing new, but today they seem more and more prominent than ever. Boasting, pride, and blasphemy each act as if I am the most important person in the world. Think about all the narcissists that we know. Think about the narcissists that we've had in public. It's all about me and I. Narcissism. Men will be disobedient to parents. Since the 1960s, there's been a frightening breakdown of the authority of the parents in the household. And it's been assumed from the children toward their parents. I grew up during that time, and I can assure you that in our household, it didn't happen. Because had it happened, I wouldn't be standing here today. I had a mom and a dad that would have, just for the truth, they would have beat me to death. It's frightening. Several years ago, a judge in Orlando, Florida, ruled that an 11-year-old boy had the right to seek a divorce from his parents. How upside down is that? How upside down is our justice system to where you can seek a divorce from your parents? Now, you're 11. How are you going to survive? I'm sure you have a great career path. I'm sure you understand how it takes and what it takes to have a roof over your head, to have electricity, to have clothes, to have food, to be able to have transportation, to go back and forth from wherever you want to go, to be able to go to Walmart, to be able to go to whatever store you want to go shopping in. I'm sure this 11-year-old had it all figured out. Because 11-year-olds are so smart, nowadays they can choose whether they want to be a man or a woman. Because 11-year-olds are smart. Think about it. Think back when you were 14. 
I'm going to give you a few years. You're, you're a little bit older, you're a little bit wiser, you're 14. Who is the smartest person on the face of the earth at the age of 14? Me. I thought my mom and my dad were losing it. They didn't know nothing because they didn't know what was going on. So they go from an 11-year-old that wants the divorce to a 14-year-old who thinks they know everything. Just so you know, I, I want to ask you a question. How many of the world's problems have been solved by a 14-year-old? Very few. I'm not saying that there hadn't been 14-year-olds that, that created to society to the point that where it helped humanity. But I would say that it was a minute percentage of the population of 14-year-olds. I mean, men will be boasters and blasphemers. They're going to cringe. Your children will be disobedient. In 1990, a 13-year-old uh, Los Angeles area graffiti vandal was quoted in the Los Angeles Times. It's like a family to belong to a crew. Crew is transformed and, and morphed into today what we know as a gang. They had people that cared about them on their value level. 13, 14 years old. The kid had a 38 special and the mom took it from him. What does a 14 or a 13-year-old need with a 38 special? In Los Angeles, I could understand. In Moore County, I don't. And his parents kind of talked him out of carrying it. Kind of talked him out of carrying it. If I was 14 or 13 and had a 38 caliber pistol carrying it, back then, I had better be in the woods hunting or fishing. First off, I wouldn't have had a pistol anyway because mom, dad wouldn't let me have a pistol. For a long time, all I had was a 22 caliber Benjamin pump air rifle. And I was deadly with it. I killed a many a plastic soldier. Tried to kill a wild pig with it, and that was a mistake. You find out how fast, and you have a climbing gear, how fast you can run and how fast you can climb. Because I'm going to tell you something. When a pig, a wild pig squeals, there's about 30 of them around there, and they all come to that squeal. And the next thing that's moving is you. I ran hard. I missed the limb on the first tree. I made sure I caught the limb on the second tree because the third one was too far, and they were gaining. I spent four and a half hours in a tree in Louisiana in the middle of the summer hollering for my mother who could not hear because she was about a mile away. The farmer whose field I was in, he was on the tractor and he couldn't hear because he was listening to the radio. Don't shoot wild pigs with a pellet rifle. But I didn't boast. I learned these things. My mom and dad tried to tell me these things and I thought that they didn't know what they were talking about. Men will be unthankful and unholy and unloving and unforgiving. Think about our marriages today. 
our families. Men will be unthankful. Men will be unholy, unloving, and unforgiving. How many husbands are holding grudges against their wives? How many wives are holding grudges against their husbands? How many of y'all are unloving? How many of you are engaged in unholy activities? Some they may know about and some they may not. What are you doing on the dark nights on the internet? Unloving, unforgiving. How many here have not forgiven each other for something that's happened? They're holding it deep down. And whenever a little trouble arises, it pops up and rears its ugly head. Why aren't we forgiving like Christ? Christ says that he will never remember our sins. Unloving. What that means and translate is, it is without natural affection. Children and young adults are being so desensitized to life. Not only by video games, but movies and things like that, that life is useless. Look at it. All you got to do is turn the TV on. Look in the city of Chicago. Beautiful city. I've been there a few times. You're more apt to die in the city of Chicago than soldiers were in a combat zone. It's bad. It's bad. And so what is the answer? They want to take away the, the defenses of the just. Men will be slanderers. Men will always, men have always told hurtful lies. Think about it. What have we told each other about gossip? Oh, pick up the phone. Let me tell you what brother so-and-so did or sister so-and-so. Can you believe what he's done? Da, 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 da. Shut it off. Shut it off. The pastor yesterday made a great example of that. He says, I tell him, stop. I don't want it in here because once it's in here, it won't come out. It won't come out. Go back to what our parents told us. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. Don't say anything. In politics, politicians routinely distort and disrepresent or misrepresent facts. Men will be without... Self-control. Think about it. Today we have an epidemic of men who are addicted to sex, drugs, alcohol, food, work. Whatever we do, they've been doing it out of control. Think about it. Men will be despisers of good. You ever done something good and somebody's got to criticize it? Think about it. You ever done something good for somebody and then, you know... There's a saying out there that no good deed goes unpunished. Have you ever done something for somebody and they made you pay for it? They made you pay for doing it. 
Men will be traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We already have that. I'm going to go run a little over just a little bit today. The attitude, this attitude marks our current age. Think about it. The slogans that we see on TV and on billboards. From the products they advertise. Nothing is taboo. Nothing is taboo. Do you remember what product that was? Yogurt. Well, if you see me eating yogurt, you know something taboo. I don't like it. But it says break all the rules. It says to know no boundaries. Relax. There's no rules here. Peel off your inhibitions. Find your own road. That's an automobile commercial. We're all hedonists and want to do what feels good. That's what makes us human. That is actually from a European product. Don't you love living without boundaries? And then the one that everybody knows and people wear, just do it. Great big check, swoosh. Just do it. The message is the same. You make your own rules. You answer to no one. You are the only one that matters. Your universe resolves and revolves around you. Think about all the self-centered people we know. Think about it. But today, we're blessed. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit to help us discern these people. We have people that we know what the godliness and godliness is, but we also understand the power that goes with it. We also understand the power behind godliness. We know what godlessness is. We can recognize that. And it's prevalent today. Open your eyes and just, you ain't got to go far. Walk through downtown Southern Pine. You'll see it on display in all of its pride. And I mean that in every sense of the word. God has called us to be wise. He's called us to understand the times that are around us. He's called us for now. You're here at Deep Creek Baptist Church for a purpose. God has led you here for this time now. So that we can share in waking up the folks around us so they can partake in the provisions of Jesus Christ and our Lord and Savior. And so if you're here today and you don't know who he is, my prayer is that you would make an arrangement to meet him today. Because if you die, I'm going to be as honest as I can be to you. If you die today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your eternity is set. You're going to spend eternity in two places. You're either going to spend it in the presence of God in glory, or you're going to spend it in exile, in darkness, in hell for eternity. Separated from God with your full faculties understanding that he was not a fairy tale, that you, those who believe were not superstitious. That he created the universe. He's not part of it. He's outside of it. 
that he's the creator of all things, and that you were made in his image and you denounced him. You blasphemed him and you turned away from him. Even though you and me and those that are out there hung him on the cross, they will deny that he even existed. They will deny that he even existed. So today, I beg you to please consider Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have the knowledge you know what's going to happen. It's up to you. Mama can't do it. Daddy can't do it. The grandparents can't do it. Brothers and sisters can't do it. Only you. You know that old slogan that Smokey Bear used to have, only you can prevent forest fires? Only you can keep yourself out of hell. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. And Lord, I ask you to, to bless our time together. I ask you, Lord, that not one soul will leave here today without having made a commitment to you. I ask you, Lord, to keep them safe, bring them back so that we can enjoy Wednesday night Bible study and Sunday or Saturday, Lord, a great, a great day of vacation Bible school. Lord, we ask you to fill the congregation with your spirit. Those that are watching online, Lord, we ask you to fill them with your spirit. Touch their hearts. Let them become true believers of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For our closing hymn, if we please stand and let's sing 317, there's something about that name. Wednesday night.